So we're going to show a video while I figure out why the camera isn't showing. Um, and this is a video that we made uh, for the Forbidden Research Conference um, on uh, civil disobedience. We'll be right back. Right now, it can be easy to feel powerless. There are abuses of authority, intolerance, violence. You want to take action without adding to the violence. You have more options than you think. Public speeches, letters of opposition or support, signed public statements, declarations of intention, group petitions, slogans, caricatures, symbols, banners, posters, leaflets, pamphlets, and books, newspapers and journals, radio, television, blogs, vlogs, websites, and social media, skywriting and earthwriting, mock awards, pranks, displays of flags, wearing of symbols, prayer and worship, protest disrobings, symbolic lights, displays of portraits, paint as protest, symbolic sounds, fraternization, vigils, performances of plays and music, singing, marches, parades, religious processions, pilgrimages, political mourning, homage at burial places, teach-ins, walk-outs, silence, turning one's back, student strike, total personal non-cooperation, flight of workers, consumers boycott, austerity, refusal of the government's money, peasant strike, prisoner strike, professional strike, withholding or withdrawal of allegiance, speeches advocating resistance, boycott of government-supported organizations, non-cooperation with conscription, hiding, escape, and false identities, civil disobedience of illegitimate laws, fasting and hunger strike, nonviolent harassment, sit in, stand in, ride in, wade in, pray in, nonviolent obstruction, nonviolent occupation, alternative social institutions, alternative communication systems, selective patronage, alternative markets and currencies, overloading of administrative systems, seeking imprisonment. It is no longer the choice between violence and nonviolence in this world, it's nonviolence or non-existence. That is where we are today. So, so th this is Tenzin. He's a monk. He's been on this show before. And the video that we just watched was um, based on Gene Sharp's Principles of Nonviolence. Right, right. And one of the questions was when we first did the video, actually when I was posting a blog post on disobedience, right. um, some of our friends said, um, don't post it because it makes the civil rights movement look shallow or flippant. Uh -huh. And then I asked you and you right. said, no, you should post it anyway. Why? why? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I thought the video was perfect that in, uh, in less than three minutes, I think mm -hmm. it showed all the mechanisms that have worked in the past and the mechanisms that continue to work. And the other thing is, you know, people need to recognize that people who seriously do nonviolence actually have a good sense of humor, mm -hmm. you know, uh, around it. And that, that's partly the reason why, why it worked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think it had all the necessary ingredients to, to showcase what nonviolent mechanisms look like. Right. Yeah, and, and, you know, you, you talk a lot about the, the discipline of right, nonviolence. Right, right, right. Um, do you want, can you describe a little bit about, you know, or, or the discipline of compassion? What, what does that mean? Right. So I, I think the first thing is that, you know, nonviolence, you know, uh, is, is coming from a place of strength. You know, it's, it's not a reactive thing. Mm -hmm. And it's not 
nonviolence is not the last resort. It's sort of the first choice um, that uh, nonviolent uh, leaders take uh, in, in face of violence. So you have to have a tremendous degree of strength mm -hmm. and sort of a non-reactive mind because it's not just violence. It's just, you know, all kinds of things that uh, trigger your sense of anger, trigger your sense of fairness, injustice, and so on. Mm -hmm. That it, it keeps happening and people need to uh, train to control and govern their emotions so that they can just stick to the agenda, stick mm -hmm. to, to what it is that they're actually fighting for. Nonviolence does not come from a place of anger. Interesting. You know, Nonviolence yeah. comes uh, from a place sometimes of sadness, sometimes mm -hmm. of a sense of fairness, a sense of justice, but it should not come from a place of anger. Interesting. And, yeah. and, and you know, you talk about this, when, we, when I saw um, John Lewis yes, speaking, yes, and he was talking about the training that right, they did right, for right. nonviolence and yeah. that they would have people spit on him yeah. and kick him yeah. and call him names yeah. and he had to be able to smile and right. just withstand it. And that right. that um and that, that 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 what's important also I think in, in, in the in the I'm trying to remember the, the paper, but it was a paper that uh, um um uh, Marshall Gantz sent mm -hmm. me, and I, uh, it'll be, I can link to it later. Yeah. It was also really interesting because it said that nonviolence is not pacifism. No. Nonviolence is a strategic way of attacking an enemy right. um, with, from a position of strength. Right, right, right. right, right. I mean, when, when you look at, you know, the, the tactfulness around, say, civil disobedience or mm -hmm. non-cooperation, those are very strategic moves. Mm -hmm. and, and those are strategic moves that can actually fail if people were to just respond from... Uh, a, a place of anger, a place of fear. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the, you know, sense of clarity that is needed is that when people are doing nonviolent agitations or nonviolent, uh, you know, uh, protocols of, of, of any kind, it is, it is not the individuals that we are against, right? It is, it is, it is the, the, the actions that we are against. I mean, so it's, it's not that, you know, when, when Tutu was, uh, or Mandela were, uh, doing civil disobedience, it wasn't that they were particularly against Africans. Mm -hmm. They were against apartheid. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's very important, as Gandhi used to say, that you need to separate mm -hmm. the culprits. You know, mm -hmm. you need to separate the actor from the agent kind of thing mm -hmm. and, and, and say, condemn the action mm -hmm. and believe that the agent can be changed, that mm -hmm. the agent can be transformed. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what was interesting in, in, in this paper was that they, they, sh they showed, you know, that um, and this was this was a particular set of nonviolent um, campaigns right, against right. regimes, and right. they showed that nonviolent campaigns were like more likely to be successful mm -hmm. um, because it uh, um, delegitimized um, the regimes and right. um, I, I, for many of the obvious things. Right, right, right. right. Um, but one of the things is when I when I tweeted it, um, uh, one of my uh, uh, one of the former former students at the media yeah. lab said, "No, you're." you're you're, it's out of context," she said, and she said that you know, back then um, it may have worked, but um, later in the sort of tw Twitter back and forth, she was saying things like nonviolent movements like Occupy uh -huh. were kind of systematically dismantled <laughs> using pepper spray and other things, and that the, the, that even the pepper spray image right, uh, right. with the students, it wasn't enough right. to sort of cause a enough of an outrage to sustain it, and that the nonviolence works less now right. when people when the system has become more right, robust right. against that kind of right, attack. Right, right. What, what, what do you think? About I, that? I, I don't think it's so much of a commentary on, on the system as much as it is the subtext on society at large, meaning that uh, 
you know, it's not so much about the system. It's whether we as individuals have become far more desensitized mm-hmm. to things that we would, you know, rile up, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, you take a simple thing like, you know, Vietnam War and mm-hmm. you, you see one image of a monk doing self-immolation or you see one image of a girl sort of running in the paddy fields. Mm-hmm. And that was enough for people to begin questioning what, what, what is our move, what is it that we are doing to be able to talk to the system. I think today it just takes a lot to appeal to individuals and make people sensitized mm-hmm. to, to, to these kinds of ideas. I don't think it's an issue of the system. I think it's, it's largely a subtext on, on society. We just have become much more desensitized. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, um, and, and there's a question in the, in the chat which also she brought up, right. um, which is, how do you define violence? So this is from Philip Plugman. Um, yeah. And uh, and I think a lot of times um, people say, uh, uh, you know, a distributed denial of service attack on a server is right. violence. Right, right, right. 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 So what do you, how would you define violence? I, I think, I mean, you know, I would go with the simple, simplest definition, which is, uh, you know, any intention to do harm is violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, when we talk about nonviolence, we make it clear that nonviolence is not merely absence of violence, mm-hmm. meaning that nonviolence actually implies that one is also actively b- working on building trusts, mm-hmm. uh, creating empathy, mm-hmm. that those are all aspects of a holistic nonviolent movement. It's not just that we are restraining mm-hmm. from violence. Mm-hmm. You know? but, but when we put it in the context of nonviolent disobedience, right. so for instance, if you are uh, actively, but, but, but I guess, I guess it's a lot of it is a, is kind of a signaling or a messaging, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 uh, so so. For instance, in that video, you had things like um, right. you know, uh, um, causing systemic failure, right? And, right, and right. the government would say, "Oh, that's violent." Right, right, right. right, right, right and, yeah. and and I guess the question is, is it, is it is it a matter of intent, or is it the, or or is this just going to be an argument that you have over what is violent? The argument, the government will frame it as violence, and and you will appeal to the public as it was nonviolent. Right, right. I, I think it's a question of relative degree of things. I mean, sometimes in civil disobedience movements, like you know, you have. Uh, an excellent case of Berrigan brothers here, mm-hmm. uh, who you know, two pre- Jesuit priests who got into an FBI building and burnt the files during, yeah, during yeah. draft kind of thing. Now, from a governmental point of view, it was illegal, it was violence, and it was all these things. But from a civil disobedience point of view, it said we tried every mechanism, and this was one way right. to disrupt in, in in a big fashion. And, and so, and, and Snowden would be a great example. Snowden he would he would say right. it's nonviolent, right. and and the administration would say it was right. extreme violence. Right, 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 right. Right. So, right. And and you know when Snowden appeared on this uh, uh, in this conference around around uh, forbidden research, I think he made a very good point by reminding us of the distinction between illegal and immoral. You know, yeah. That, that that if something is legal. Does it always mean that it is moral? Right, is especially it? when the law is now captured by those in power. Exactly. Right. Exactly, so, exactly. and, and well, well, historically, not yeah. now, right? No, it's, yeah. always, it's, it's always it, the case. Th- yeah. There's another that says, okay, does this mean that nonviolence? This is Vignesh, um, uh, closer to some kind of shamelessness. Um, shamelessness turned the other. No, it's it's no, not no, shamelessness. No, 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 it, no, no, no it's no. it's it's it's. Um, well, because it, it's a courage, right? Because one of the things that I, I, I heard from another John Lewis story, right, which right. I love, was right. he told me that during the Freedom Ride, right. um, he and one other man um, were uh, beaten by the uh, yes. Ku Klux Klan right, 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 and right. left in a pool of blood as right. dead. Right. Right. And then years later, in 2008 or nine or something, he got a call from this guy right. and they said, I'd like to come with my son. And right. they came and he said, I was one of the people who beat you right, right. Um, and tried to kill you. And will you... Forgive 
forgive me. me. Yes. And his yeah. son cried and right. he cried and they hugged. Right. And what I realized also, what's, what's really important element of nonviolence also is that you leave room to allow the humanity of the other to come exactly. out. Because exactly. if you right. commit violence, right. then you see a lot of this in, 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 right. in rivalries right. in countries where it just escalates to where you're just, it, it, it's, exactly. it's irrecoverable. Right? Exactly. I, I think the thing is that you have to understand that vengeance always have a, a, a far more longer cycle mm -hmm. than, than with forgiveness. And, and the, the, the part of nonviolence that is important to understand is that you, you always leave room uh, for possibility of transformation of the other mm -hmm. in, in, mm -hmm. in, a, in a very positive manner. Uh, and our history is filled with it. And, you know, we have in, in churches and religious systems saints who were very violent individuals who became saints later on because somebody left them with the room for transformation. You know? Right, right, right. Interesting and and yeah and there 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 are a lot of historical figures that have right. gone through yes the these kinds of changes yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but but the most important thing is that you know the ingredients that or the qualities that actually support uh, uh, individuals who actually exhibit this idea of nonviolence they have to be disciplined in a bunch of things meaning mm -hmm. that it is not that you know it's it's the last resort and it's not that you know I tried everything I fail I give up and that's why I become nonviolent. That is not how it works. You have to have tremendous amount of courage. When you look at people like John Lewis, Martin Luther King Jr. others, you have to have tremendous amount of courage, tremendous degree of strength, and tremendous sense of fortitude and to, to look that it might not work today or tomorrow, mm -hmm. but it's going to work in 10 years. And mm -hmm. when it works, it's going to leave a much lasting impact. Yeah, you know? but, but, but you have to be prepared to fail or to die oh, yes. or to go to jail. Yeah. And I think that that's the other... Yeah, yeah. piece, which I think some people might um, be critical of Edward Snowden, is that you have to also be prepared to go to prison right, or to take right, responsibility. Right, right, and that's right. what one of the criticisms. Right, um, right, right. And I think John Lewis said very clearly he was he was ready to die yes, if he yes, needed to. Yes, and yes, and yes. so so the, the but that's where the moral high moral ground comes from as well. Right? Exactly, exactly. And you know, Gandhi in his his movements he would always basically announced that, you know, I'm ready to go to prison, and I'll go to prison with 100,000 other people. Mm -hmm. And so they would actually have days of filling up the prison. That was their only intent. Mm -hmm. And then the Brits will get tired of it, and then mm -hmm. they'll say, okay, okay, we'll hold you for one day, and then you have to look. And, 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 and one of the questions that people sometimes say, well, would Gandhi's nonviolence have worked against Hitler? Um, I don't know. I don't know if uh, it, it, it would have. I do believe that, uh, you know... It would have been harder. Right? Yeah, it would have been harder. Opponents do matter. Uh, you know, their criticism, you know, whether nonviolence uh, worked in Tiananmen Square, you know, and, yeah. and, and so those are the things that I think, I, I think do become challenging. Um, it does require, I mean, you have to understand with Gandhi also, there was 300 years of violent agitations prior to that, mm -hmm. you know, for, and, for this thing to work. Yeah, and, and that, that, that's, I think they call it the radical flank. Yes. Right. And so, you know, when, when I was running Creative Commons, it was nice to have Richard Stallman there because you could point at him and say, hey, we're a little bit easier to negotiate with. And I, I guess with, with um, Martin Luther King, you right. had Malcolm X. Right, right, right. Um, right. And right. obviously that, that makes it a little easier. It does, um, it does. Do you yeah. think it's a necessary element? Not always, not always. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, uh, I think what's necessary element is to, to remind individuals that in, in any given movement, What's the alternative? Meaning that if nonviolence fails, mm -hmm. what is it that we are looking at? And you know, in most cases, we are looking at the bloodiest uh, revolutions, the bloodiest kind of mass killing that, that could happen. Mm -hmm. South Africa is a, is, a, is, a, is a great example, right? Which is that 
I think because it was a nonviolent agitation and because they sort of put a system in place around truth and reconciliation, mm-hmm. which, wo- which was rooted in this, this notion of nonviolence, where, you know, Mandela basically told Africans that, you know, I'm not seeking to oust you from mm-hmm. this land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We want to work together. You are part of this community. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out how to work together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That takes a great degree of courage and inclusiveness mm-hmm. that, that requires a sense of discipline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you talk about um, disciplined compassion. Yes. yes. And one of the questions when you said that, I remember, was somebody saying, well, compassion is, why do I need discipline for that? Right. What is right, that right, discipline right, compassion right, mean? Right, right, right. I, I think, you know, first thing is that, you know, we all have uh, some, uh, you know, baseline uh, ability to empathize unless something is neurologically wrong with us, mm-hmm. unless something is miswired in our brain. Uh, but the thing is that, you know, our most common expressions of compassion is only for the in-group, only for our own tribe, for people mm-hmm. that we like, mm-hmm. people that we already care about. That doesn't require discipline. That's sort of this natural urge of compassion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when the Buddhists are speaking of compassion, when nonviolent movements are speaking of compassion, they're talking about, can you have compassion that is not tethered in your biases. For that, you need discipline, meaning that can I now, uh, you know, expand my domain of compassion from people that I like to people who are strangers, Mm -hmm. and then to people that I actually hate or people who hated me in the past? Mm -hmm. Can I expand my sense of compassion towards them as well? And, and, And how do you train that? Over a period of time, and, <laughs> and, and basically not giving in to uh, the bias mechanisms, which mm-hmm. is that, you know, recognizing that right now my sense of compassion might be limited because of my biases mm-hmm. of various kinds, but on a daily basis pushing oneself mm-hmm. that uh, let me be compassionate even at a place where I'm most uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me be compassionate. Uh, to people who might not actually show any sense of gratitude. Mm-hmm. We're all used to say, you know, helping homeless person that says thank you. The next day we go and we give them sandwich and they, they, ex- they express a sense mm-hmm. of gratefulness. But what if the homeless person says go to hell? Yeah. Will you be compassionate towards that person the so, next day? That's where the discipline so, is. So, so this, this is interesting because also, you know, you have uh, uh, a lot of behavioral economics and all these right. guys talk about, they're, they're concerned with extrinsic Motivation, Motivation, right, right, right. right and right, so, right. so if somebody that you're giving something to every single day says, right. "I hate you," and slaps you, right, right, right. right, right. So, so how I understand you could be disciplined, but, right? But doesn't that create a negative energy inside of you? That well, so where does it, that go? It it can create two different kinds of negative energies. You know, one negative energy is basically that this guy just doesn't appreciate anything. You know, let him die. I'll, I'll just let let this person rot. The other part of negative energy is basically a sense of sadness mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that this person is not able to understand uh, mm-hmm. acts of generosity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, it's much more promising if you're acting out of from the place of sadness, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. because then you try to change things in, 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 in a certain way to make a person recognize or realize if it works. But most important thing around compassion is that it should not, compassionate act should not be a function of your mood. Mm-hmm. It should not be a function of whether I'm feeling good today or not, whether mm-hmm. I feel like doing a kind thing or not. It should be a second nature. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so whether it's a cloudy day, whether the mind is not stable, whether I'm agitated about something, compassion should be the second mm-hmm. nature. That's where the discipline so, part so, is. So you use the word should. Yeah. Right? So so do you think everyone should have this? I think it'll be a, I mean, what can, it'll be a wonderful world if everybody yeah. should but, have okay. it. Okay. Right? So now, now <laughs> these are slightly two questions because then how do you cause that to happen? 
Uh, I think the, the, the best way to make it happen is by doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's the beauty about, you know, human species. The more people do it, the more people watch it, observe it, mm-hmm. and they mimic it, they mm-hmm. learn it, they mm-hmm. recognize the value of it, and that's how so, you create a movement. So right? it's by example and not by evangelizing. No, no, right. no. Eva- evangelism doesn't work. It's overrated. There are a lot of big evangel- evangelizing <laughs> groups. I, I, I think it has, it has sort of uh, short-term uh, peaks, uh, uh-huh. but, but it, it's not sort of a... Uh, uh, you know, sustain. short term. You mean like a thousand years here, a thousand years there, right? <laughs> In human history, is a short term thing. <laughs> but but I, th- I think you know when we talk about a behavioral change or change in mindset, mm-hmm. you know, that I think is something that that uh, uh, requires sort of constant, um, you know, working on oneself. So, so, so are you optimistic that we will reach a point where people are motivated by intrinsic? motivations and will become compassionate? I, I think so. There will come a point. I mean, already what, what we have seen in the last 500 years is reward mechanisms changing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, things that made people happy or content 500 years ago are not the same mechanisms today. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and we don't know where will it be in the next 50 years even mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, whether it's wealth, whether it's uh, social currency, whether mm-hmm. it's recognition, what the, the motivation is going to be. So I, I am optimism on that regard that, that, you know, patterns are going to change and we might even be willing to short circuit mm-hmm. uh, some of these extrinsic motivations. There's a question here about parent-child relationship. How does one practice discipline, compassion? I, I want to tell the story, <laughs> if, if it's okay, of when, sure. when the Dalai Lama was at, uh, at MIT. Right, right. And I think a kid said, um, what did you learn? Uh-huh. Or, what was your biggest influence on you, I think, as you were growing up? Right, right, right. And he said, well, the monks... I think he said they all lied to me, uh-huh. right? If I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. And he said that women from the village who took care of me, they were nice to me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I used to sit on my mother's sh- shoulders sure, and right. I would pull her ear on the left and she would go left. <laughs> right, I'd pull right, her right, ear right. on the right and she'd go to the right. right. And he said the only truth that I had, real truth, was the unconditional love, love of my mother. mother. Right, and right, and, right. and coming from somebody who studied a lot and right. was brought up by these monks, that's, right. a, that's quite a, yes, a, a yes. statement, right? Yes, yes, um, um, do you have any thoughts on I this? Mean, I mean, he's a big believer that, that uh, you know, one of, the, one of the most sort of prominent places where kids learn about compassion, both in terms of behavior and thought, mm-hmm. is, is, is at home. Uh, and, and parents, especially mothers, mm-hmm. are the ones that are able to teach and, and transmit this, uh, this knowledge. Uh, you know, biological reasons, other kinds of reasons, and so on. And uh, uh, but you know, to to answer this 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 particular question, I think you know, parents should not simply view their kids as their properties. You know, as it happens in <laughs> in in most societies, and they should not you know simply see them as an extensions of, of of themselves, which you know we have gotten sort of accustomed to by virtue of uh, evolution. I mean, when we talk about selfless love, it's like in any form of relationship, which is that you you give the person the room to grow. Mm-hmm, see? Mm-hmm. And when you're in, in a position of power or a position of authority, you you try to help minimize the damage in this trial and error uh, activities that the kids are involved in. Mm-hmm. But the whole idea behind this uh, this unconditional love is that you have the room to grow. Mm-hmm, right? You mm-hmm. have the room to make an error and learn from it and grow. I think Karthik had a question, but I'll have to pull it up because I don't have it here on the screen. Unless Karthik, if you're listening, you can maybe ask it again. Um, the uh, uh, but 
getting back to the training. So during the civil rights movement, they had these uh, groups that trained with right. like John Lewis. Right, and, right, right, right. Um, and, and obviously, if you become a monk, right. you, you get training in the right, monk right. training. But what, where do you see others? I guess we're going to be talking to the Albert Einstein Institute people, so right, maybe right. they have some views. But it, it seems like it's hard to get this training right now. But I think it's a very important training. And that's why I think you know, a lot of uh, uh, education systems, even in this country, are sort of uh, emphasizing this whole idea of, you know, uh, emotional intelligence or social emotional learning. Mm -hmm. and, and, and part of the social emotional learning context is not just becoming aware of one's own emotional states or other person's emotional states. It also has to do with the idea of how do I become, you know, uh, uh, an individual who is able to regulate emotional states. Mm -hmm. the, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. used to speak of this analogy that, you know, whether you want to be a thermometer or a thermostat, Right, right. Okay. That, that most of us we experience our our emotions just like a thermometer. It's happening to me. It's just happening to me, mm -hmm. I, and I simply notice. But the whole idea is that you can regulate it. Mm -hmm. And so part of this discipline here is that you know, yes, there could be five different things I could be angry about or upset about on any given day, mm -hmm. but maybe only one is worth my reaction. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. there are other four that I can just simply let go of mm -hmm. because this training informs me to do that. So and 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 this ties to the class that we teach together right. on awareness, right? Because it's right. sometimes, because thermostat, I, I was just in a, a retreat around cybernetics, but yeah. it has a notion of control, right? right? Yeah. And we and discipline sounds like control, mm -hmm. but awareness is not, it, it's 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 because self-control sounds like something that you sort of force yourself to, right, right? but I think what you're talking about is that it's not reactive, but it's still natural, right? It, so, yes. so you have to kind of do it at a subconscious level, right. not a, I, I've got to control myself, yeah, yeah. right? It, it, it's not, you know, uh, I wish I had this this cartoon where, you know, the guy, is, you know, one person is saying that, you know, you should stop by and, and, and uh, smell the flowers. And then the type A person just takes all the flowers, starts to take this deep <laughs> whiff and then says, I'm the flower smelling champion, you know. <laughs> and, 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 and so that's not, you know, what it is about. That's not what meditation, mindfulness, enjoying nature is mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even with this idea of control, you know, uh, there's this enlightened sense also that not everything is in your control. Mm -hmm. you know? So you have a greater ability to let go of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you recognize when you can regulate things and when, when you have no control over mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. and, and you get sort of better informed uh, mm -hmm. uh, about those things. Interesting. So, but, but do you think that these schools and EQ and things that they're doing, are they effective in, in, at the level of, that you're talking about? Because not, they, yet. Not, yeah. yet. not yet. Not I, yet. I'm hoping that at least it opens, uh, opens the door for these kinds of conversations because, uh, uh, you know, for, I think, you know, several decades, people simply believe that, you know, it is, it is not something worth paying attention to. Mm -hmm. And that has caused tremendous amount of anxiety in society, tremendous amount of uninformed fear. Mm -hmm. uh, much of what we see, lack of empathy among, you know, people who are so, supposed to be protectors of law and, mm -hmm. and, and citizens. Mm -hmm. That all of those things is stemming from this lack of empathy. All mm -hmm. of those things is, uh, is stemming from this, uh, this lack of emotional awareness. Right. But it has, to, it has to go the next step, which is right. people need to so, recognize. So, so I suppose it, being aware that there's a problem is the first step. Yes. And then the second step is designing a process that actually 
right, 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 deals right, with it. Right, right, right. Because, I mean, much of the, you know, it's not even about the things that, you know, human beings in this society experience emotions differently from human beings in, in another society. The expressions might be different, but mm-hmm. by, by most research, I think it shows that uh, emotional experiences are, are quite sort of tangible things that happen across borders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we are at a stage where we are able to sort of identify them, understand them. And so we should create programs that allows for that kind of learning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and 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 is 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 that what you you're doing work now in mexico colombia things like that is right, this right, part right. of what what you do that's that's one of the things that that uh, we are looking at which is that if if we truly want to now i'm not an idealist meaning that i don't believe that i would ever live in a in a world where there's absolutely no conflict mm-hmm. but what i do believe is that we can minimize conflict and we can change the nature of those conflicts and so in, in, in most societies where I'm working with conflicts, it has to do with, you know, what are the roots of those conflicts and how do we truly begin to address them rather than sort of taking this banded approach mm-hmm. of saying, you know, it's all about money or it's about aid or it's about grant. That there are the deeper aspects that, that are causing these conflicts and, and, and that we can work with all stakeholders involved in that. Mm-hmm. So, so, but, but it, in what time frame are you optimistic? I'm hoping that if, if we are able to do things, uh, then we can make significant strides even in the next 40 to 50 years. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let me put it the other way, which is, what is the alternate? Of being optimistic, you mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that, that if, if we are not going to strive to change things in the next 40 to 50 years, where do we think the world is going to go collectively? Yeah, you know? and why are we even here? Why are we even here? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, the thing is that, you know, we, we sort of pretend that we are going to be sort of complacent bystanders, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know things will just take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I am sort of I find that a bit problematic uh, mm-hmm. approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's the other thing that some monks get criticized for is that they go to a cave and meditate and um, and, and and I guess uh, you might argue that there's they're they're helping. But there's a value to that too. There's yes. a value to that, <laughs> right, but right, but right. that um, and I guess Thich Nhat Hanh was one of the sort of he was kind of very much a active monk, right, right, right? Right, right and right. and but but you know but it's hard right because you you you're running around giving talks <laughs> and and you probably don't have the, i mean i i think i think the important thing is to have the balance between the contemplative and the active okay. right and, and and that's where you know when we when we speak about discipline that's where the contemplative side comes in that it is it is as john lewis was saying you know it is you know, not reacting to things. It is being aware of emotions. It's calming the mind. It's, it's generating that sense of stillness. Mm-hmm. That that those are the disciplines of a nonviolent practitioner. Right, right? right. Because we live in a society. We live in a world where triggers are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is that you know, how do we mm-hmm. nurture ourselves so that mm-hmm. not every tiny trigger sort of agitates us? Yeah. And did you see that video? I think it was John Cleese um, about political correctness. Yes, yes, that's so, a good video. That's so, a good video. So, for those of you who haven't seen it, 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 it was sort of making its way around Facebook. Right. But it was um, it was John Cleese, right, mm-hmm. and saying that um, he 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 he's against political correctness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's really interesting because we we have at the Media Lab we have a diversity program. Right. right. Um, we we have. People who say things that are rude, right, right, and um, um, you know, racially biased or you know, uh, gender biased, and I spend a lot of energy fighting against right, right, right. people who are um, 
politically incorrect in, right, in yeah. that way. Right, right. But on the other hand, um, I think there was a was it University of Chicago maybe right, or right, right. that I, th- I can't remember which university, but recently sent out a letter saying um, we're not trigger safe. Yes, to yes, the students, yes, yes, right? right, I, right, right, right. I, and 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 in a, in a university setting, especially. Um, You've got to be critical, you yes, know? and, yes, and yes. criticism is important. And I think right. the video also the point was that right. that 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 comedy is fundamentally critical, yes. and you can't be funny. Right, right. If, right. And and I love the the joke that he said is how do you make God laugh? Right, right, right. right. Tell him your Tell plans, because <laughs> <laughs> that's critical of every of the human condition. But but I guess I guess as a monk, what do you how do you think about political correctness? I I think it's overrated right now. Uh, I, I, I said this morning I was having a, a conversation on the same video with Kevin Slavin. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the thing is that as you said, university is a place for critical reflection and critical thinking. This is where you debug yourself. This is where you 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 work your bugs out. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that you know too much leaning on political correctness can create an artificial kind of um, you know politeness, which is mostly a masquerade mm-hmm. see, that does not actually solve or does not amount to the long term sense of genuine respect for one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That universe. Uh, university especially should be a safe environment. It should mm-hmm. be a protected environment. But it should be an environment where people are able to question things. Mm-hmm. You know, it should be an environment where people are able to criticize each, each other in a friendly uh, friendly mm-hmm. manner, a friendly mm-hmm. environment, and, and have sort of deeper transformations about why they believe in, in, in certain kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so I think too much emphasis on political correctness can just lead to masquerading. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think in so, the long term, it's So, it's so what's the key balance? Is it respect, res- respectful criticism? Yes. Um, and is it an emotional piece, or, or because because obviously bigotry and bias right, and, right, right. Um, aren't great things, right, right, right? Right, right, right? But but saying what you think in a respectful way and being right. critical is okay. Right. I, I think first thing is 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 the is the rule of mutuality, which is that you know if if I am going to be critical of something, I should anticipate that there will be others who will be critical of me, mm-hmm. meaning that then. I should not, you know, hold placards that says, that says political correctness and protected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That if I'm going to be critical, others are going to be critical of me. And the question becomes that is it an informed criticism mm-hmm, or not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that teachers, educators, uh, administrators as facilitators should sort of work towards this idea of whether it is an informed critical mm-hmm. Dialogue or conversation that is happening or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, my fear is, you know, what what is what's happening right now in civic society, especially in the U.S., is, you know, why is it that all these racial tensions are building up? Mm-hmm. It's because we have gotten very good at masquerading. You know, after mm-hmm. civil rights, we got uh, you know very good at saying, well, everything is going to become all right. You know, we are going to have affirmative action, and that will take care of everything. We never had anything like a truth and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. we never had anything where. You know, people sort of acknowledged publicly, uh, you know, what went wrong with, you know, mm-hmm. slavery. Mm-hmm. Why, why did we allow it to go on for, for this long? Those conversations did not happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the absence of those conversations, I don't think deeper transformation is possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I think, I guess the, the tricky part, I'm now channeling uh, Monica Orta, who's my yeah. director of diversity, right, is, right. is I think the minute you start saying it's okay to be politically incorrect, right. you may also... Enable and empower bullying. That's the right? risk. And, that is and, the risk. And so, yes. yeah. so it's it it's it's complicated, right? right because right. you have to because you can be critical and politically incorrect with compassion and with thoughtfulness. Right, right, right. But you can also do it with 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 ignorance and emotion and bias, which is so. Which so, is so I right? think that's where you know uh, a university is a place where there are a lot of thought leaders, a lot of researchers. 
they can define better parameters mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that what should be the parameters within which such conversation to, should happen rather than basically saying that let's be politically correct and mm -hmm. not have this conversation. Mm -hmm. you know? So John Fukuda says, in a circumstance of seemingly institutionalized injustice against communities, whether corporate law enforcement or other forces that are greater than the individual or, or entire communities, how are we to move in nonviolence from place of hate and disgust? So... I think disgust is okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, disgust is fine because it's 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 sort of this natural response to to you know how could you or, mm -hmm. or, or how can we as humanity support or endorse mm -hmm. uh, some of these things. Hatred, I think, is 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 not a positive direction uh, mm -hmm. in that way. And and so here, basically, the the issue comes is you know how do we you know make people recognize over a period of time that they have a role to play in both operation and liberation of certain things. Like most people, what they don't recognize with South Africa is that a lot of companies, corporations, you know, mm -hmm. sort of twisted arms of, of the government by basically saying, we are not going to do business in this country unless you change things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they were the same companies that were supporting apartheid for the longest period of time. Mm -hmm. But over, you know, pretty much overnight mm -hmm. in some ways, some companies got together and decided this is not right. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. because they were disgusted mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. others through their civil disobedience and otherwise made them realize how mm -hmm. disgusting this thing is mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. yeah it was, it, it was interesting I was talking to Barack Berkowitz who works right. with us and he said I think one of his relatives was one of the um, you know few white leaders right. in the civil rights movement and, yeah. and his view was that the biggest sin is a sin of not doing anything yes right yes, yes, and, um, yeah. and, I, and I think that that's also, um, it's 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 different from the the the, the point of nonviolence, right. but it's 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 this connects to your disgust right, and, right, and right, your right. activism, and right. I think, um, and, and I think that that's the opposite side, right? So if you have a very strong nonviolent strategy, mm -hmm. you also need the people on the other side right. to to then react to that in a responsible right, way, right, 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 and and that's the thing. I mean, you know, one of the beauty with Gandhi or Mandela, two to you know individuals of of, of these stature is that. They were willing, despite of their differences and, and very wide differences, they were willing to sit across table with others. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't about, you see, the distinction between is being moral versus becoming self-righteous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When one becomes self-righteous, that is destabilizing. Mm -hmm, that is mm -hmm. destabilizing for an individual, for a movement, for a society. Mm -hmm. uh, the sense of being moral has to has to be rooted in a sense of humility and a, and, and a sense of knowing what is going to be actually beneficial. So these individuals were able to sort of hold moral conversations mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with with uh, you know their counterparts in the other direction, and next day they would be holding placards against them, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, or, or will be doing sit-ins. But but they developed this camaraderie in some ways, yep. right? So. so so where are and who are these leaders today? Um, there, there are individuals. I mean, we still have, uh, fortunately, you know, individuals such as uh, such as Tutu, mm -hmm. uh, who, who become, you know, uh, you know, as as things are becoming more and more corrupt in South Africa because mm -hmm. of various influences, um, you know, Tutu, you know, continues to be that that moral voice in there. Uh, Dalai Lama is one of those voices. I think uh, Pope Francis mm -hmm. is is one of those voices, uh, especially, you know. Uh, Things around immigration, things around 
human trafficking and so on. Mm-hmm. So there are these kinds of voices, some more prominent than others, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, some get more uh, airtime than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think you know, part of the challenge is that how do we find those voices that don't get that much airtime? Mm-hmm. And, and sort of uh, you know bring them to forefront of things you know mm-hmm. and this is where I think media needs so, to do its job. <laughs> so, so, so my my theory a little yeah. bit on this is that um, um, you know like I, I remember the I used to hang out with Timothy Leary and then right. if you be, and I used to listen to punk rock yeah. and um, a lot of the kind of hate that I see is I think driven from this sort of nihilistic kind of destructive. I don't like the system anymore right, perspective. Right, right, right. And I wonder whether when you think about sort of the courage and the discipline of nonviolence right. or the discipline of, of, um, of, of compassion, right. whether there's a way to make it more of a punk rock kind of movement. Because uh-huh. I think the problem is when you make it kind of fuzzy right, and right. pacifist, right, right, right. it looks weak. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I don't think young people like to be weak. I right, think they right, like right. to be tough. Right, right? Right. And I think that that's... Kind of the the you know you know Malcolm X and all of that was also so it's, it's very you know right. I think protesting is is actually a, a very engaging thing to do uh, when you're young right and right. I think that 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 right now it it feels like you know and and, and you see there are pockets of these I think right. there are pieces of the Occupy movement right. some of Black Lives Matter there there right. are definitely these movements that that have this energy but but it'd be interesting to see if you could direct some of that energy into right. this sort of discipline right because it doesn't feel like and, and maybe it was also the church played a bigger role right, in the right. civil rights movement. Yes, yes, and there was you had some of these right. um, values that forced people into these. Right, right, um, right. But but right now it it seems like there's a little le- less of that. Well, because they're tied up with political correctness. <laughs> you know, meaning yeah. you know, churches by design by regulations are cannot become places of political discourse. They lose their five hundred one c three status, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in this country see, by, by, by doing that. Yeah. So you know, so but the question becomes is you know what is the role of churches? What is the role of religion? Uh, you know, widely speaking, and the thing is, yes, you know, nonviolent leaders sometimes have bad PR among the youth because they don't recognize that it takes, in fact, more strength to be a nonviolent leader. Mm-hmm. It takes more strength to be a Mandela to sit in a prison for twenty six years maintain a sense of sanity, inspire a whole generation of leaders in your country and for generations to come. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot more strength than to pick up a gun and shoot back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what people need to recognize. I think. And, you know? and, and, and again, getting back to your, your theory of change, is it you have to do it through example. Yes. Right? Yes, yes, and yes. I think, I just feel like we don't have those icons in the young people these days. Right, right, right. I, I think we need to inspire that we need to create that those, mm-hmm. those kinds of icons and, and I think again you know there are some icons here and there and it'll be it'll be a great idea to sort of bring them to to, to, to the forefront mm-hmm. and I think part of the challenge is that uh, you know we look for superstars yeah. you know uh, what we have to recognize is there was a time when Tutu was not in spotlight yeah. or Mandela guess, was not in spotlight. I guess Malala Yes, is, 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 she's a gr- she's a great, great example, example right yeah, now. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, and are, we don't have that many, but right, right, but, because again, they don't make it to the spotlight. Yeah, and you know? also, so, you don't want somebody to have right. to get shot to to, to, be, to be in the spotlight. spotlight. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and so I think you know there, there are you know like CNN started this whole thing about CNN heroes a couple of years mm-hmm, ago that, mm-hmm. that that tried to bring these things. But I think part of the challenge is that you know we become too focused on giving a celebrity status to things yeah, and individuals yeah. rather than 
you know, rather than the, the, the concept, the discipline that, that promotes that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, rather than making an individual more attractive, let's make compassion more attractive. Mm -hmm. you know, let's make mm -hmm. courage more attractive. And, and I think that's where uh, the young people, the, the younger generation will be able to connect. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and I, I definitely think it's, it's easier for young people to connect to young people. Right. I mean, and Alaa Morabit, who's, who's right, now right. a director's fellow, I mean, yeah, yeah, she, right. she's wonderful. And, right. and I think, to your point, I think it's going to be about how do we find people who are do, trying to do the right exactly, thing and exactly, empower them. Exactly. And, and I think director's fellow, I mean, is, is, is a great program in that, that manner to, to give a platform to these individuals. And, and Allah is infectious, mm -hmm, you know, yeah, and that's yeah. what we need. We need infectious leaders, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who can basically say, you know, even good things are as contagious as bad things. Yeah, in yeah. fact, sometimes more contagious. So let's let's try to focus on that. Yeah. yeah. So great. Wonderful. Thank you, Tenzin. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Thank you for See this. See you all later. Bye-bye. Okay.